I'm a beggar trying to show other beggars where to find bread. Uh, I am a uh, broken parent who's still trying to uh, figure out how to parent. And yet at the same time, I know the gospel is good news and that, and that shapes how I parent. Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. I'm so sorry. It's been two weeks since, or maybe eight weeks since my last episode. But I've just moved house and I haven't had the internet, so I haven't been able to uh, fine tune these episodes and upload it to you. But now, without further ado, I've got a wonderful episode here for you about parenting. What it means to parent with my good friend, Joel Deacon, who I went to uh, Bible college with. So sit back with your cup of favorite beverage, whatever that may be, and enjoy some time with us as we talk about Bluey, as we talk about parenting and his three kids and just having a blast of what it means uh, to be a Christian parent. Hey, welcome to um, another episode of Conversations with Earl Grey. And I have with me my good friend, Joel Deacon, all the way from Melbourne. Um, Joel is the, um, uh, what are you, the, the um, community pastor, is that right? Oh, I think I've got a, I was that. I've got a new role, which is like associate pastor, but I'm just a pastor. As, associate pastor of yeah. City on a Hill, Melbourne, East Melbourne. Uh, uh, I, Melbourne, the, Central. Yeah, Melbourne Central. Yeah. Melbourne Central. Melbourne Central. And so, Joel, tell a little, tell us a little bit about yourself for those of us who don't know you. Um, I uh, love coffee. As anyone in Melbourne, I love Jesus. Um, I love my wife, who I've been married to for ten years, Emma, who is a gift to me and many. Uh, and my kids. I also love. I've got three kids: two boys uh, who are my domestic terrorists, who I like to wrestle with, and then my little <laughs> girl, who I like to smell flowers with. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I was a civil engineer for many years now. I'm a pastor. Um, uh, so yeah, love to read, love theology, love to write and learn. Uh, and at the same time, like most, uh, I guess Australians, I love sport too. That's about, that's about me. Yeah. And I do know that you were one of the engineers who worked on that particular bridge from Sydney to Wollongong, right? Yeah. Seacliff Bridge. Yeah. It's the one yeah. that <laughs> <every> car had. <laughs> and and also, you you always tell me that on on the road from Sydney to Wollongong, there's there's that huge valley, and on the, the bottom yeah. is called the the Joel's Bump. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm engineer. I created that bump, which I'm very proud of. So. <laughs> so I was I was just driving down to Wollongong the other day. Um, like two weeks ago and then I went there and I had the little bump and I thought oh there's Joel's bump <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to know that impact in the world that's for sure I know, I know. so what is that bump for uh it's because uh like a majority of Illawarra there's been some coal mining and so some coal mining has been done in that area and so they wanted to um measure the subsidence which is I guess the movement of the road in that specific area because of the coal mine uh and basically if there's a lot of movement uh there might be some compensation for the government to fix the road uh or there's not much movement there's no compensation so it's, it's a it's a there's a little tester there to see if the earth is moving oh, there you go there you go well there you go friends for all of us who drive down to Wollongong when you hit the huge uh, valley and you get through the bump you can always remember that's Joel's bump 
Anyway, we're going to, uh, today, we're going to talk about parenting, um, which is a fascinating topic for me because I'm not a parent and I'm always here to wanting to learn about parenting. Tell us, uh, we were just talking about Bluey and you talked a little bit about how you compared the Papa Pig of Peppa Pig and mm. Bluey, um, which you can find on Joel's blog at joeldeacon.com. That's G-O-E-L-D-E-A-C-O-N.com. Um, tell us, what's compare the two fathers for us? Yeah, well, actually, I think what's probably interesting is more a comparison between Bluey, which is this a really good father figure and one you enjoy and want to imitate and be like, uh, and then the father figure of Peppa Pig. And the father figure of Peppa Pig is this, uh, larrikin, this lazy uh, uh, father figure who's lovely and likable, but is also mock and, and, and mocked, sorry, and is mockable. Uh, like I have a kid's book about Peppa Pig and it talks about uh, that Daddy Pig uh, likes to do exercise, but the only exercise he does is lift the remote control. Uh, <laughs> like that, that's the sort of humour about Peppa Pig. And interestingly, Peppa Pig has just followed the model of like the Simpsons and Homer, you know, this likable but mockable father who, you know, is a bit useless in many ways. Uh, we love, but also at the same time, he's just a bit of a mess. And maybe we can relate to him, but we don't necessarily want to be like him. Uh, and if we are like him, it's, we're not a good father figure at all to our kids. Um, mm. and, and so Bluey, I think, does a great, um, uh, yeah, great father figure, which you like, you want to be like, is fun and is funny, but is also someone worthy to be imitated uh, and is a good role model to what kids should look for in a father and what fathers should look for as a model in fatherhood. Well, what, what are some of the types of characteristics that, um, is it Bluey? Uh, Bluey. Um, uh, Bluey's dad um, is um, Bandit. Bandit. Yeah. What, does, what are some characteristics that are uh, uh, good? Yeah, I think what I, I enjoy about him is he's fun and he's funny. And so he's, he, he is, he's, and to be fun and funny as a father, you've got to be present. Uh, you got to be there with your kids and you, and you got to see kids as uh, a, a gift to enjoy and to do life with, um, you know, uh, like as a parent, uh, it's so tempted just to be on your phone the whole time and not interact with your kids as they play or they want to play. Mm. And so the fact that he's present, um, he's not distracted by work or his phone um, or by the chores. Like you also see that in almost every episode, he's either bringing the washing or doing something like he's, he's he works hard at home. He's not lazy. Mm. And yet at the same time, he doesn't allow even his chores to get in the way of um, actually those moments in life where he can have fun with his kids. And so I think he does a great job of just taking the moments of life from like the game Uppy with a balloon to um, his kids wanting to wander off from the playground into the bush. And he's not afraid. He's like, yeah, let's go. Let's explore. And um, so I, I really feel like when you watch it, you're like, hey, this guy really makes fatherhood look like fun. And um, you know, parenthood, it can be a lot of, can be hard work and there's a lot of tears and tantrums, broken windows, but there is also a gift there to be enjoyed. And, and I think he does a good job of highlighting that for us if we can just see it. Yeah. I love how you describe children as gifts. And, um, cause sometimes I don't, I don't know, but I, uh, I'm not a parent, but I can imagine that they can become chores, can't they? That um, mm. they're just just something that you got to keep working at, and you know you've got to feed, you've got to tuck in at night, you've got to read, and at the end of the day, you just don't want to get home, to, go home to your kids sometimes. 
Yeah. Yeah, which is tough, right? Like, as I shared, I've got three kids. So my oldest is eight and then five and then a two-year-old girl. Um, and, uh, yeah, there are moments where sleepless nights, like, I haven't, I think uh, my wife, probably more so than me, the last eight years, you know, has barely had a night where she hasn't woken up to get to the kids. Um, yeah, you serve them more than you realize. Like, they, they, they really do push your sacrificial service and your selfishness. Um, and yet, at the same time, that's a gift for you. Uh, that um, by you actually serving them, that's what's good for you and, and your maturity and um, and uh, and even the the tantrums is good for you too because it tests your character and, and it mm. involves more in the likeness of Jesus, which mm. wouldn't happen necessarily, or it'll happen a different way without kids, I suppose. Like we we don't need kids to be mature, uh, but that is one you know, like just like work or other things in life, relationships. Kids is another gift to grow us to be more like Jesus. Yeah, tell us a little bit about tantrums so tantrums and maturity that's a that's a very counter-cultural way of viewing things hey yeah well like to be honest with you uh i want to make this so clear as a parent i am not the perfect parent um i, I am very much like i you know just how like martin luther says i'm a beggar trying to show other beggars where to find bread uh i am a uh, broken parent who's still trying to uh, figure out how to parent and yet at the same time I know the gospel is good news and that and that shapes how I parent um and so with tantrums like it uh yeah I think it really reveals to you who you are because your kids are just like mirror images of you right like Emma and I are always like how come our kids are so loud and um <laughs> like laugh at that when they know me um or how come they're so opinionated and people are like Joel have you looked in the mirror <laughs> Uh, and so the tantrums I get is, is usually just a little version of me. Uh, <laughs> um, and so that's revealing, but it, it's a moment to learn how to show grace, but it's difficult, right? Like, um, and, and, and like even the other day, my son, Eli, he did something wrong. And, and so we had to discipline him and give him consequences, you know, like, um, you don't get iPad tonight or whatever it is, or oh no, that day. And then he said, sorry, sorry, sorry. And he said, can't you show me grace? Like Jesus shows me grace. And it's like, oh, like, um, like I want to, but man, you've been like pushing the boundaries and I've got to, there's going to be some consequences. So like, I think it's, yeah, it's difficult, but it reveals to you um, God's love for you, how he's working through your heart um, and, and what it looks like to be patient with, with kids and, and, and speak the gospel into their lives and not make it a cheap gospel at the same time. Yeah. So walk us through, how do you discipline your kids as a Christian? Yeah, um, I think there's a, this is maybe a, this is not necessarily a Christian um, answer, I suppose, but I still think it's wise, I suppose, is to know the difference between when is your kids just being kids and when are your kids being like rebellious and, and therefore that will shape how you discipline them. And, and so I think the good news of grace for us and, uh, and that we are, that the God, the father loves us when we don't beyond what we deserve. Therefore should shape how you parent and that sometimes your kids make mistakes and they're just being kids. Um, and so as you discipline them, you'll keep that in mind. Like, like uh, my son, Isaac broke a window a few weeks ago and it cost me like $300 to fix. And it was just an accident. He's just being a kid. Uh, he then broke another window last week, which is probably gonna cost me more money. Uh, and I'm just like, Oh man, this, this forgiveness is costly, but he's just still being a kid. And, uh, it was an accident. And um, so I think that's important. So the gospel shapes how you show grace. Um, 
And, but at the same time as well, like the, the gospel, as you know, is about the, the bad news and the good news. It's about the bad news of knowing our sin and then the good news of Jesus and how we're forgiven. And um, yeah, I believe that the, the most dangerous thing for my kids is not the world out there, but it, it's, it's the, the sinful heart within them. And so I think as a parent, I want to do my best to highlight to them and help them be self-aware of, hey, why, why are you being um, defensive here? Or why are you yelling at your brother or sister? Or what, what's the reason behind the, the motive? And so try, I guess in terms of gospel parenting, that self-awareness is what I'm trying to do. Um, but that's hard, right? Like it's especially mm. hard when uh, I'm tired and, and they've been um, pretty um, unhelpful. Yeah, I was going to say that it's, it's how do you teach self-awareness and an understanding of their own brokenness when, when kids are still developing their critical thinking? You know, what, yeah, you know? Yeah, I think um, I read this great quote, which is like, don't fear that your kids don't listen to you. Fear that they're always watching you. And, uh, and so I think in parenting, you, you model the, the love of Christ and the gospel in many ways through, through your character, through your serving, um, and, and, and then just in your life, in your humility. And so, yeah, there's times where uh, I've apologized to my kids, uh, said sorry to them. Um, and so I guess try to model to them uh, as much as I can when I've, when I've done wrong. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Uh, thankfully, it's a lot of prayer, right? And the Holy Spirit working through my kids' lives. Uh, and then just the rhythms of grace of... Um, uh, be it praying with my kids, saying grace for my kids, um, uh, reading the Bible to my kids, uh, and then helping them flourish in church as well. Uh, I, I think then just being washed by the word uh, is another thing that will help them in that space. Like the Bible does that for us, right? It highlights our sin and, and, and who we are. And so uh, in many ways, I'm thankful that the Lord does most of the work and I'm just there <laughs> doing what I can to help and not get in the way um, and be a good example. It seems like you're you're bringing your kids into a form of discipleship, with mm. you leading them. Yeah. Um, this is slightly moving just tangentially away from parenting, but mm. what are your views in terms of should discipleship for kids be the role of the church, or should discipleship for kids be the role of the parent, or is that a false dichotomy? Uh, yeah, I think it should be both. Like, uh, I, I do, I do also agree that uh, the, the parents, it's their primary responsibility. Like, it's their children who the the Lord will keep them accountable to, who they've been gifted with. Uh, and yet, at the same time, uh, the church is a family in itself, a bigger family, a broader family, and so we're all called to disciple and care for one another, young and old, um, male and female. And so, yeah, I think a church that doesn't care about kids and love kids, that's a big issue. Uh, like I know personally I've been convicted by um, the next generation pastor here at Sydney Hill, a guy called Branch, a good friend of mine. And he said to me, as, as you think about leading Joel, um, you've got to see yourself not just as the lead pastor of adults, but the lead pastor of the children in your church. Uh, and so that means you need to care about their discipleship and uh, their environment to enjoy and love God. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's both. And I think they both complement each other really well. Uh, as a parent, like it's hard to discipleship your kids. Um, and the reality is they're usually just well behaved for other people more than you. And so, uh, the, you know, that Sunday rhythm of going to church and, and having other people invest in their lives is good for them. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely a both end, especially as the kids get older, they really need um, 
yeah, other other kids who they can look to and other and other leaders and godly models to speak in their life. Be good examples. Yeah. Um, because as a parent, like you're doing your best to show the gospel, you're doing your best to love your kids, enjoy them. But without a doubt, there is a, just a a discipline, a a um instruction that you do like a teacher and, and and so your kids know that because they're rebellious so you're constantly telling them you know like put your pants on or stop hitting your brother or um <laughs> and yeah so they do need relationships where there isn't that authority to help them see jesus as well mm-hmm. i just want to go back to what you were saying about you being a lead pastor and you needing then to be uh pastoring the kids how do you train up parents to do that? Because I've been in a lot of churches where not only just kids, but, but as kids go into youth ministry, become youths, mm. the task of discipleship seems to, okay, that's it. I'm going to push them to youth group, push them to Sunday school, and my role is, is over. Yeah. Right? What's, how, do you, how do you engage with people who think like that? Yeah, well, I think, like, I can, okay, firstly, I'm, I'm, my kids are not in youth, and so I want to say that uh, uh, I, I've still got lessons to learn there when my kids get older, and, like, my boy, I, I, Elijah, he's eight, going on 18, like, he's already, like, <laughs> like, wants to beat me up and doesn't want to listen to me, and uh, he wants to become more independent. Um, I think in that book, Raising Boys, it, it talks about how, like, when boys are, like, zero to six, they're quite attached to their mum, and then from, like, seven to... 13 they're quite attached to their dad and then from like 14 to like 18 they really find uh attachment or examples through peers um and and so yeah i do think that there's an important role for the church to disciple youth without a doubt um and yeah what i think the challenge is is that not many churches have a really flourishing good youth group um you know there's a lot of small churches or medium-sized churches like like we're a big church in the city of melbourne and we don't have a huge youth group uh and so therefore parents just still play a, a vital role in loving and discipling their kids um but i just think it just changes dynamics right when your kids are younger you get them into whatever you're into you know like for me they watch soccer with me but as they get older you gotta get into whatever they're into um and you just gotta keep on working on the relationship you know keep on modeling grace keep on trying to talk and it's hard it's hard work um and so i i think you know, that's what's going through my head is when my kids get older, what can I do to have fun with them and and just enjoy life with them so that they know I love them and I'm there for them. And, um, that's tricky. And, but I guess we're all called to try and help and and help each other do that. Yeah. What do you, what do you find is the hardest being a parent? Oh, um, oh, patience. (laughs) Um, yeah, there's two prayer points at the moment for this COVID season I'm praying. One, and I got it from a book somewhere, which is for passion in my marriage and patience with my kids. Simple prayer points, simple alliteration. It's in my heart and my mind. And um, that's not because I don't love my wife and it's not because I'm not patient with my kids, but there's times where I need to actually speak into my heart and pray that that I invest in those two areas. And so, um, yeah, like the reality is, is as kids, man, they're just like very selfish and don't care what you're doing you know? <laughs> um and you might be in a rush you might have this plan and, and they just want to just waste time or um you're doing something you're working out and they just come in and want you to i don't know change the pepper pig episode or something or um you know or you cook dinner and they're unappreciative <laughs> they just throw it on the floor <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think every parent knows patience 
is um is arguing the hardest yeah yeah um i just want to move the tack a little because you you are a pastor and mm. um there's often the case where pastors kids mm. find it really hard to grapple with faith yeah um talk us through a little bit about that yeah um yeah that's obviously something i don't want to see in my kids lives and so um yeah something i'm committed towards is always wanting to have time for my my kids and so uh this week hasn't been a great week i've had a lot of things at night unfortunately and so em's my wife emma's been uh picking up the slack um but i've, I've done my best over the years to to, to uh, when i can uh to be put my kids to bed uh in particular my boys and lily now too and read the bible with them we started just chatting recently uh they just want to chat about my life or about the games they're playing um and so that's a real special time for me in terms of discipleship and, and then if i'm honest with you I, I really just want to have fun with my boys like i want them to to know that i love them and i want to push them and and um and i think that's important because in christian ministry there's there's a lot of things which we say our kids can't do because we we care about them and love them and um and that's difficult for them. You know, like Eli, his friends are watching Fast and Furious at the moment and he can't watch that and um, he can't play Fortnite or whatever it may be. And look, if you're a parent that allows that, you know, I don't judge you or anything. But like, I feel like as Christians, uh, maybe because we, we care about our kids and we want to protect them and we give them maybe a little bit more rules. And so I do my best as I can then to overly show them I love them, I'm there for them. Um, so I'm quite an affectionate dad for that reason. Um, yeah, and because that's, that's that's such a tricky thing because I've heard people say that um, um, pastors' kids who say that oh my friend my my dad is affectionate and loving to his parishioners yeah. but at home there's a completely different side to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's important. So that's why I want to be overly affectionate. Uh, another thing is you know about our family, Sam, is we're just trying to have fun. So you know, like. <laughs> We try and dance whenever we can. We celebrate yeah. anything and everything, you know, birthday parties, uh, like dress up, whatever we can. Um, yeah, so we want our house to be one of, one of fun and light and colour. Um, and, um, and to be honest, being a pastor, though, I'm blessed in many ways to be flexible in my time and so I can be there for awards or, um, like, I coach Eli's basketball team and I'm able to do that and go to training. Um, so... Yeah, I don't want to turn parenthood into an idol, but I also, they're, they're, they're my first ministry. So I, mm. I, I do my best. It's hard though. It's just difficult seasons. Mm. Jesus is basically saying, hey, look, you know, I should be the center of your heart, the center of your affection. Uh, more so than anything else like it shouldn't be like jesus then your family it should be like jesus at the top and then you know there's a huge gap between then your next priorities in your heart uh, i think francis chan highlighted that in one of his books which is quite helpful and i feel like that's what jesus point there uh and yet i feel like maybe the christian church and pastors you know we can abuse that uh and, and it's quite unfortunate like you know i think that i read a book in church history about heroes of the faith and i was a little bit disappointed by this but like even c.s start i think his name is or c.t start or um, or even John Wesley, you know, like these guys, you know, they like abandoned their wives so they can be in the mission field for 20 years. And like, they did great things for the gospel. But I look at their lives and go, but you didn't love your families. Mm. And it's like, I don't know them. I don't know their situation. You know, I don't know if mm. maybe they're, 
their wives were, were being quite sinful and rebellious. I'm not too sure, right? Like I'm in a different generation. Um, but in my head and my heart, I, I feel like uh, I've got to be doing my absolute best I can never to neglect my family. Um, you know, that Timothy passage, someone who neglects their family is worse than an unbeliever. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, if I get to my deathbed and my kids have rebelled against Jesus because I've been too busy in the church, that's a fail for me um, in my life. And so I, I think I do my, at the same time, there's a tension there because I do feel like as Christians as well, unfortunately, I think we can turn family into an idol uh, where we spend too much time in our family and we don't actually be on mission, don't love um, those who are outside of our family, don't love the church. And so I guess as a family, we always do the best job we can to invite others Mm -hmm. in, to do life with others um, and then figure that out. It's hard. It's hard. But I think think I've been really appreciative myself when I went to, so I, listeners, I've I've went to college with, Joel and you know um, he'd always bring food back dinner back we, we'd at college we'd all have dinner but he'll bring dinner back and then he'll invite me to have dinner with the family and then I'll be there when young uh, Isaac was being bathed and see him kind of just splashing water everywhere and um, just that that invitation of myself being a single man to be a part of the family has been a real beautiful kind of expression of what Mark 10 says. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, you talk about bringing your family into mission. Mm. Now that, that's a, that's a, that's a tricky one, right? Um, of course, you're not a cross-cultural ministry worker, which is an, uh, I reckon is an, even trickier one because you're, you're bringing your whole family into a completely foreign land but mm. how do you as a christian dad ingrained the call of matthew 28 to your kids you know yeah i think uh, uh like i said a few times we're still figuring it out um but i think uh, just keep on telling people about who, how good and gracious Jesus is and how we want others to love Jesus um, and, and pray for my kids' friends. Uh, encourage them to talk about Jesus. Uh, the other day, Eli was in a Zoom call when he was doing homeschooling and he, <laughs> one of his friends said that they worship, I don't know, um, this, I think, Buddha or something. And then Eli got off the Zoom and looked at uh, Emma, my wife, and said, Mom, my friend worships another God! And it was like a big shock on his face. And... Um, uh, which is good though. Like I want him to be thinking this through and know, Hey, there's only one God. And so to be praying for his friends and, and who don't know Jesus. Um, and so I guess how we think that through is trying to get them to think through uh, what it looks like for them to talk about Jesus at school. Uh, and how do they talk about the faith they have? You know, like I love Jesus that he doesn't say, Hey, wait till you've been to Bible college before you go be on mission. You know, the disciples are still figuring stuff out. They're like, who is he? And they're like, he's like, go, like, go share the gospel, go share the good news. Uh, and, they, you know, they don't, they don't have it all together, but they're like, hey, we know this Jesus guy is pretty important. You should get to know him. Uh, so I want my kids to do the same thing. And then for us as a family, hey, look, I completely agree. Like we're not in Albania uh, as friends that you and I know and um, trying to take your kids into the mission field like that. That comes a big cost. Um, and yet at the same time, I think in, 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 in ministry in anywhere you are, there, there is a cost in, in terms of uh, moving around or uh, 
um, yeah, compromising on, on not going to certain, having sleepovers or different things. Uh, and so we're just constantly talking to our kids about, you know, why do we move? Like we've moved a fair bit actually as a family. Uh, we'll probably move again. Um, and so just keep on telling them the why, you know, we want to tell people about Jesus. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, it's hard work and just got to model that too. model what it looks like to, to talk to other people about Jesus, to your kids, have, have show hospitality, um, and, and model what it looks like to pray for people as well. Yeah. Well, listeners, we've come nearly to the end of our time. And, um, as usual, I, I just want to ask you a final question, Joel. Um, I just want you to reflect on what does it mean for God to be father to you? Yeah, that's a, I reckon it's a, it's an important question for me. Uh, I, uh, my dad and I have a great relationship now in, in the past. It wasn't necessarily great. Um, and yet, uh, so I'm very thankful for my, for my dad. Um, and yeah, I think maybe as a man and me having kids, I've had to really wrestle with the relationship between like fatherhood and what is it? And um, I remember I read this book, I think Disciplines of a Godly Man, and it gave this quote of fatherhood and talked about that the relationship between a father and a son in particular uh, is quite a unique and weird relationship, almost an irrational one where you have this affection for this man who's just an ordinary man. And yet for some reason has such huge sway emotionally in your life in terms of their approval and their thoughts about your life. And um, I actually found it really helpful for me to see that and go, oh, okay, there's something within me that longs for this relationship with a, with a father figure. And maybe my earthly father won't fulfill that, um, but the heavenly father will. Uh, and so I guess for me, uh, personally coming to faith in Jesus, just that truth that God the father loves us. He's a good father. He knows what's best for us. Um, it's something that's just so helpful for me because I'm an imperfect dad. My dad's an imperfect dad. Um, and yet our heavenly father's not. And, um, yeah, there's lots of times where my kids get annoyed at me because they don't understand the why behind things and I can get annoyed at my heavenly father, but to be able to rest in the truth that he, he knows what's best, uh, and that he loves us beyond what I know is just really helpful for my soul. Um, and so, yeah, I was just praying actually this morning in my church, Matthew six, the Lord's prayer. Uh, and all we prayed is father. (laughs) Like we just got up to that bit of Lord's prayer. Uh, and what a gift that we can call God our Father. Mm. I'm just going to finish with uh, your words. Bandit is great, Father, but God the Father is better. God the Father who is like Bandit in that he is worthy to be imitated, but unlike Bandit in that he is worthy to be worshipped. Thanks, Joel, for your time. And it was a great chatting with you. This is Joel Deacon. You can find him on joeldeacon.com. Um, a little bit narcissistic, in my opinion. But, uh, <laughs> but he, Joel is a pastor at City on a Hill, um, Central Melbourne. Thank you for your time, Joel. Thanks, Sam.